0: Across waxwork.com on a routine missing persons case. Jordan D. White had gone missing, and his wife had ponied up enough De Niro to fill up more than a few bottles worth of regret. My sources downtown had heard whispers about the place, so I figured I should check it out myself. I only need to take one look at the sick things the bastard had filled the place with to realize that Jordan D. White was not a well man. It was clear that this was a person who had made a lot of enemies. Sure, his wife played the concerned role well, but a broad like that always had one or two other fish on the line. I made certain to give him my number to call if she needed anything, anything at all. A quick look around the place didn't reveal anything out of the ordinary, but then, as I was leaving, I noticed little red drips going down their back porch to their cellar door. There it was. That's where I found it. dead body. Case closed. I'd found him. But now, I would a murder to solve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White. This is the 33rd episode of the, the show, I believe. So uh, one third of the way through, you'll be at the 33 and a third portion of the episode. Okay, I, I find that number interesting. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, it's uh, We have an interesting uh, show lined up for you because, um, well, something happened. All right, well, let me introduce everybody. As I said, my name is Jordan D. White. This is my podcast where we do radio serials and comedy bits and things like that. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Hopefully you dig it. Otherwise, I don't know why you're listening to it, but there you are. Uh, with me are my my two co-hosts. Uh, this is uh, Mr. Rory Singen Yes, my name is Rory John Hello, how are you today? Uh, you know, I'm great. How are you, sir? I am good. I'm good. Uh, you know. It's, it's not a bad day to be me, I suppose, right? Huh? And also with me is Mr. Scapewhite.
1: uh How's everybody else? Uh, I guess how you work. Now I've already, already answered how they are, right?
0: Yeah, we already did. Yes.
1: Okay, well, I am also super good, because uh, earlier today, A, I got moist nice food, and B, boo Bell didn't eat out of her moist nice food, so I got, like, double moist nice food.
0: Good, good. Um, well, interestingly enough, you're not the only person who uh, got something interesting today. Uh, this is, typically we have four hosts, me and three other co-hosts, um, Roy Engine, my catscape, and uh, Mr. Frank Allen is typically here. He is not here. Um, well, he was here, but he's not here now. Uh, so you're probably wondering why that is. Thankfully, uh, I do have an explanation, and I'm I'll set the scene a tiny bit. Uh, this was a recording from earlier today, not too long ago now. Uh, we were doing a mic test before Frank got here. He was running late. And then this uh, occurred. So let me uh, let me play back the tape on this. Okay, uh, Jordan. This is Jordan Mike. Jordan Mike, this is tech, check, check. Okay, we are testing this. Is... Okay, good, good. Uh, Rory. Yes, my name is Rory Singen, and this is a mic check. No, no, keep talking, keep talking. Oh, right, uh, Rory Sinjin, who is the one who is the person who does lots of history and good stuff like that.
2: Hi, Jordan, uh, good to see you, sorry I'm running late, I just, uh... Oh, it's no problem, no problem, we're just getting
0: the mic check set up. Cool, no problem, I'll, I'll, I'll come over on a sec. Alright, uh, back to work. Okay. Oh, Frank, uh, by the way, here, this, uh... Letter came for you on the, the email. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me see.
2: Is this a is this a joke?
0: Well, not I mean not by me. Did you have an Uncle Farkas?
2: Okay, shut up. Don't say anything. Give me your cell phone.
0: Okay, fine. Here. Here you
2: go. Okay. Uh, how do you how do you do this? I'll see.
0: What? What does the letter say? Shh.
2: Sure, just quiet. I'm gonna. Hello. You yeah, know, this is Frank Allen. Uh, I just got a letter. It's no it's true. Okay. Okay. Alright, well. Uh, well I well thank you. I'll be can I tomorrow morning, can I be there? Alright, I'll be there then.
0: So it's true? What what happened?
2: Uh let me just say this one time. F- you both. Jordan, sorry, I love you, but f- you I'm f- gone. Rory, you are a f***ing f***ing c- ball. F*** you, f*** you most of all. I f***ing hate you. F- you. What? I'm sorry, what? No, I don't have to explain myself to you. F*** you both. F- you, 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 you. You're both f***ing gone. I'm out of here. You're both f***ing losers. I'm leaving. And I will never be back. You guys suck balls. Uh, this podcast is a joke. Just so you know, f- you both, Rory, double f- you though. I mean, Jordan, I do. You're, you, I do. I do. Thank you, sincerely. Like I said, but f- you, I'm out here.
0: No, Frank. What? What? do you? What happened? Peace. And that was the situation here just minutes ago. Uh, so you may be a bit surprised by that. You might be kind of confused by that bit. Let me, again, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background. Uh, this is the our podcast that we've been doing for a while, as I'm sure you all know. And we get email to castinwax at gmail.com. Please send us some. Uh, email if you'd like to. Listener mail, we love to have it on. We'll read it over the air. Uh Well, air, so to speak. This is a podcast, not a radio show. At any rate, like I said, we did get an email for Frank and uh, sometimes, spoiler, I do let the guys see the email beforehand so I can say, like, what do you think of this? Do you want to talk about it? And uh, so he looked it over and uh, I guess it was uh, true and profoundly affecting for him. Uh, uh, Rory, would you do the honors as to read this listener mail or this email at any rate? Yes, of course. It's my pleasure. Um here yeah, we uh... Frank, if you are reading this, it means I have finally gone to my eternal reward. I have asked my lawyers, Brosnan, Pearson, Bond, to forward this letter to you upon my death. Though I have never taken a direct hand in your affairs, I have had my servants play aloud for me your podcastings on the wireless. I have thrilled to your debatatoria, your tracks or fiction, and now your ongoing journalistic investigations. I was something of a newsman myself before I struck it rich in the Klondike, and it is a pleasure to know that in the twilight years of my life, the Allen legacy has been born anew. i regret that my condition. Prevented us from meeting, but I hope that my parting gift—a total of roughly nine point six billion American dollars—can begin to show you the depths of my appreciation. Think of me fondly in your quest for fame as a journalist, and remember that you carry a great legacy. In deepest gratitude, your great-granduncle Farkas Allen. And so, uh, upon reading that and making a phone call, there's a number. I didn't want to read it out loud, obviously. Uh, upon reading that, he—you uh, well—you heard. He told us off and left. <laughs> <sighs> it's not that surprising, really. I mean, he is, and always has been, kind of a jerk. No, I guess I know. I guess you're right. I mean, he he's he told us he was going to leave if he ever got successful, and I guess that's not really successful. It's rich, Uh but you know, one one and the other tend to go hand in hand. That's a lot of money nine point six billion dollars.
1: I. I don't understand why he left. What was the big deal? Why did Why did Frank leave? Is he gonna come back? Well, I don't. I I,
0: I would say no. He said he wasn't gonna come back. I mean, he he sounds like he was just like, all right, I wash my hands of all this. I just got a, a nine point six billion dollars.
1: well why does that mean you don't have to go on the podcast if you have nine point six million dollars, billion dollars? I mean,
0: well, it's not that he doesn't have to. I mean, if he wanted to continue going on the podcast, he could have, but he chose and said to, to yell at us. And if you ha- basically, it's like uh, w- Frank was on here, I guess, really just to try to get opportunities and having not gotten any opportunities and instead getting money, he left. I, what, I mean, what do you think he's going to do with that money, Rory? I, I really couldn't say. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say he'd probably, you know, Try to parlay it into some sort of, uh, opportunity to be a host. Because it's pretty much all he talks about is being a host. No, you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, wow. Well, I guess, uh, we wish him the best of luck. Uh, sort of. Except that he, I mean, he said some kind of rude stuff to us. Do I wish him the best of, I mean, I, I'm, if I'm taking this a little lightly, his telling us off, I guess it's because it's not that surprising, like you said. I mean, he always said, I'm gonna leave as soon as i'm as soon as i have an inkling of an idea f- that i i've got an opportunity somewhere i'm out of here no no yeah, it's true he did he did say that and so you know yeah the fact that he's got this i mean he probably i don't know he could he could do i don't even know what if i if i had that money i'd do something impressive. I don't, I don't know exactly what, but I do something awesome.
1: Right well, again, I just don't understand. So you get a job, right? Because you want to make money. And so if you get money, why would you want to get a job after that?
0: Well, because he also, I mean, sometimes people want to, want a job. I mean, I, my job makes me money, but it's also something I find fulfilling. And I imagine that that's true for you too, Rory. I mean, would you continue to do extra history if it wasn't paying you like enough money? Oh no. No, absolutely not. I, no, I'm, I'm in extra history for the money. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why one goes into it, really. Is it? Is it a, is it a lucrative field? Well, I mean, it can be. If you, if you're good at your job, you know, uh, one goes into it because, you know, regular, I mean, regular history certainly doesn't pay, but extra history has, has definitely a lot of opportunity to it. Huh. I never realized. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, because, because you, you become a personal advisor to someone with a lot of money. And this, that type of situation tends to be that that person will end up giving you a lot of that money. I mean, that's, that's the way these things tend to go. That's the goal anyway. Huh. Anyway, Frank. Okay. So, Frank, you're a jerk. Why did you tell us off? Um, not that nice of you, but good luck, I guess. Um, uh, you know, I mean, do you think there's any chance that if he does something with this money, like media wise, that he'd give us some sort of a media gig at the place that he does that? Well, not me. Certainly not me. I mean, he, he was very adamant against being nice to, to me. I mean, you had you heard what he said. Yeah. But he said it to me. I mean, he said thank you. Well, at least he said thank you. I guess there's that. I guess there's that. Uh, so I don't. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm. I, I'm a little bit in shock. I mean, I, I will admit, I'm a little in shock. I was not. I was not expecting that. I was thinking, well, we're running a little bit late on the podcast this week. You know, hopefully, we'll figure something out. Uh, fun to do you know, and Frank was going to bring an interview and stuff or whatever he was going to bring for his segment, and we don't, now we don't have anything, I don't think. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do for that. This really just throws me, really, for a loop. Well, I I hope it's not too bad of a loop. Well, it's a, it's a loop that's, I don't know, loops are loops, right? I suppose. But, you know, don't worry, Jordan, I I can, I can pick up any and all slack that Frank Allen did have. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, we don't need that much extra history, though, do we? I mean, what we only have, it's only one day. You know, so we don't need more than one day. But it lasts for the entire week, so I could do the Hill Weeks with Well, I yeah, but I don't oh, I don't wanna do that. I mean we'll we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. I mean it's still a podcast that has lots of entertaining things on it. I don't think Frank Allen was the only draw. I hope Frank Allen wasn't the only draw because he's a big jerk. I mean if he was the only draw, I guess nice for him because then he'll have his own whatever media empire. I don't know. What's he gonna do? Buy Fox News for all I know. Anyway, all right, well, let's. I mean, let's get to the show, right? Uh, what else can you do? Up first, we've got Epic Echoes. It's a very good episode. Uh, it's called Who's to Blame? And hopefully you'll all enjoy it, all right? I mean, that's all we can ask.
3: goes the backwards series season 2 episode 9 who's to blame by Lynn Nelson it had been a busy few months for the flash pack the Slimer finally beaten and the 56th amendment passed Jimmy could finally get his campaign into full swing the first debate was only weeks away but thankfully Jimmy and the pack had been planning his campaign before the amendment was even passed It was a bright, cheery morning, and most of the pack was gathered in the large conference room that Slatter had deemed campaign headquarters. Jimmy, Slatter, Molly, Keene, and Max sat around one of the tables discussing their latest campaign idea. It took some work, but I think we've actually got it. Yeah,
4: I'm a little surprised to hear myself say this, but I think you might actually be able to have America as your vice
5: president. Keene! Well, come on. It's kind of a long shot, isn't it? Do we even know if it's legal yet? There's no law against it, and I think it's a fantastic idea. So what have you got? May we present the Sing-King-5,000.
4: I still say it should be called the King-Sing-5,000. We had this argument, that sounds silly.
6: Why don't you explain it to us and work out the name thing later?
4: Well, this is the mainframe, and this is one of the handheld devices. We'll make enough of these that there will be one per household. They're essentially polling devices with this added feature.
3: Molly fired up the mainframe and Keem pressed a few buttons on her handheld device and handed it to Max.
4: Hey, this is
6: great! News archives, government documents, the Constitution, bills before Congress, this is
7: amazing!
4: Since every citizen is now a government official, they'll have direct access to important government information through their handheld devices. They'll also have access to the news, but everything is sorted into specific archives so people can distinguish what's in the media and what's really going on in the White House. <laughs>
3: Bertress had been in the corner of the room playing with one of his birthday presents that the pack had surprised him with at their small celebration the night before. One would think that the magic dust of the pixie bugs from the atmosphere of Phosphora might have held the magic user's attention, but instead he had spent the morning flipping around the floor of the conference room with his spell pouch-shaped bag of catnip. It seemed that something about the Sinking 5000, or maybe the mention of the White House, had triggered Fertress' run-around-the-perimeter-of-the-room-as-fast-as-possible reflex. He took a few laps around the room, jumped up onto the conference table, and started rolling around on it. Are you alright, little man?
1: Who you calling the I can free the fiddle! Hey, dinner, dinner! I've got a you little widow. Apparently
3: something had triggered his rhyming reflex as well.
7: Uh, hey, Fertress? I don't mean to be rude, but we're having kind of an important meeting. Meeting?
3: What a freaking meeting! I'd rather be eating! <sighs> Molly took a more aggressive approach and pushed the catman back onto the floor. <sighs> Away from the expensive equipment, furball! Whee! Roger scampered out of the room and started running all through the halls. He nearly fell down the stairs and slid out onto the floor below campaign headquarters. He started scampering about, singing nonsense. (laughs) When he ran headfirst into Dralis' feet as she came out of her room, looking a little flustered.
8: Stupid feline, what are you doing? Doing! Doing? What are you doing? Just praying with my birthday presents. I hope you're only playing with one of them. I'd hate to see what you'd do with that highly dangerous pixie dust when you were in the state. Washington? Yes, Washington. Now get off my feet, you weirdo! Oops, sorry. Where are you going? Oh, just just to the bathroom, and then I guess I'll see what the pack is up to. You're in the conference room. You were talking to your boyfriend, were you? What? I don't have a boyfriend, you silly fiend. Just checking. You look a little distracted. <sighs> Whatever.
3: You're still young, beautiful, you! But Dralis had already walked off down the hall, presumably to find the little girl's room. So Frederick resumed his reckless scampering about Flashpoint. A few minutes later, Giles poked her head into the campaign conference room. See, and then they pressed this button too.
9: Oh, hey,
7: Trollis. Come see what the girls have done.
8: They figured it out, huh?
7: Yeah. This is a mainframe that holds all kinds of government archives. With these handheld devices, citizens can access the information. Then they can give me their opinion as a collective vice president. Uh, they... We're just explaining how that works.
3: Journalist
4: pulled up a chair at the conference table. Whenever you want to get the vice president's input on an issue, you put it in the mainframe as a poll question. That question will appear in everyone's handheld. They have a certain amount of time to make sure they read up on the issue, and they use these buttons to vote. Those votes get compiled in the mainframe, and you get a readout with the averaged results. That's the vice president's vote. Wow. It
6: seems perfect. I don't know how to thank you, girls.
5: So we have an electronic vice president? It's not like we'd have a robot in the White House, Dralis. People are still giving their own opinions. And what if people don't? How do you know that you actually have a majority
8: opinion of the country?
7: Well, psht. We certainly can't force people to vote, but I think that I can inspire them enough to want to participate in their own government. When they hear me in the debates, they'll see what I mean. We really can change the country, and this won't even involve them leaving their homes. The people have the potential to make a difference. They just need an encouraging hand to guide them.
5: And it's words like that that are going to put you in office, Jimbo. I don't know. This is sounding an
8: awful lot like the Presitron administration.
6: Oh, don't even joke about that. You heard, Slaughter. We're not putting a robot in office. Just a really smart computer. Nothing wrong with a really smart computer.
5: Still, I think this has scandal potential. That's just about how we represent it in the media, and that's where I come in. Well, alright. Enough of this
4: negative nebula stuff. How about some breakfast?
5: Oh yeah, we wanted to try that recipe. What's this? When we were on Phosphora, Keen and I hit up the glowing market. We got some luminescent eggs and produce. We thought we'd try some Phosphora omelets.
6: That sounds delicious. Need a hand?
5: I think we'll be okay. Too many cooks and all that. The pack had
3: a great glowing breakfast and a great two months after. With one debate per month, Jimmy was holding his own and the polls were looking sunny. He and Marsh were both very popular candidates, but the Flash Pack was sure that Jimmy had a chance. It was now about a week before the final debate, and the pack was in the Flashpoint dining room munching on Trip Cocktail and recounting the strong and weak points from the last debate, when Fertress raced into the room. Why are
1: you not in the conference room?
6: We don't live there, Fertress. Why don't you have some shrimp with us?
3: Don't mind if we do. Fertress hopped up on the dining room table and scooped a shrimp off of the serving plate. He sat on his hind legs, chewing on his shrimp. Can't you use a chair like the rest of
1: us? And did you want something, Fertress? Oh yeah. You guys should come watch the news.
7: Why? What's up?
1: Well, see, you're bigger than I am. So? So you're not going to like what you hear, and if someone ends up breaking something, I'd rather it not be me.
6: Let's go see what he's talking about.
1: The flashback headed to the conference room,
3: and Fertress followed, half a shrimp hanging out the side of his mouth. Slaughter turned on one of the TVs and found the news. The woman being interviewed was Susan Blaine, a political columnist for the Cosmic Times. As far as I can tell, this is a political move by
10: Smitty and his people. Uh, what makes you say that?
3: Well, clearly Smitty is jealous that he lost the nomination to a child. I'd be shaking in my shoes, too, if a 15-year-old were more qualified than I. So you're
10: saying this is out of spite? If Smitty can't be in office, no Republican will. Well, that's quite, uh, quite a point of view. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to continue this conversation with Ms. Blaine, and we'll have Senator Marsh, the Democratic candidate, here to talk with us about this some more.
3: See what else there is. Slatter changed the channel.
11: Frankly, I'm surprised that this didn't come out earlier in the campaign. To think American citizens have been blindly loving the flash Pack for all these years when they've done such reprehensible things... I mean, the Flash Pack has done some great things for mankind, I'm not going to knock them. As superheroes, they might be the best around, but as people, as human beings, they have a long way to go. I have with me a special guest, the High Priest Daniel, who wants to talk about the Crenshaw Affair. Thank you, Ollie. it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for being here, now you have some sort of different spin on the Crenshaw Affair? Well, it's not really a different spin. I'd just
12: like to present my point of view on my area of expertise. (laughs) The religious aspect. That's right. I don't think we can doubt the Flashpacks' actions surrounding the death of one of their purportedly dearest members was reprehensible.
11: But what no one has even touched on yet is that Julie Crenshaw died a monotheist. Wait. Say that again? It's true. Folks at home, I hope you're hearing this. We have a high priest and renowned scholar telling us here today that Julie Crenshaw... Former well-respected member of the Flash Pack believed in one single god. Tell us about this. Well, everyone knows that Zimmer, our last monotheistic planet... Are you saying Julie was Zimmerian? Oh, no, no. She was Earthling, all right. But you may remember years ago when the Flash Pack intervened in a war on Zimmer's behalf. (laughs) Of course, the Memornians attempt at religious cleansing. Not that I'm advocating the obliteration of an entire planet, but the Zimmerians really need to get with the times. Well, during their stay, Miss Crenshaw spoke some of the Sumerians. It's still not clear what
12: exactly made her feel so strongly, but when she came back to Earth a monotheist and remained that way till the day she died.
11: And how do you know all this? <laughs> oh no, It wouldn't be gentlemanly of me to reveal my sources. Well, in any case, there you have it, folks. The darker side of the flash pack. Superheroes who support monotheism among the rakes and leave the friends to die who better to run the country oh oh god
5: turn this off <laughs> oh molly i know this is hard but i think we need to watch it some more we need to know just how badly we're being hurt here jimmy i think it's time for a jam session pronto how will the flashback combat this possibly fatal and
3: very personal blow is smitty trying to ruin them or is something else afoot tune in next week for with a little help
0: in that episode of epic echoes Guinevere Eckert was the narrator. Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield. Angela Timon was Dralis. Devon White was Molly. Lynn Nelson was Slaughter. Tong Wen Wong was Keen. Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs. Scape White was Fertress. Frank Allen was Newscaster. Sam Thompson was Randall Marsh. Ryan Laranger was High Priest Daniel. Patrick Ganan was Warrior Rourke. And Lisa Pantuso was Susan Blaine. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Cod Makowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. I, I guess I'm going to be saying thank you very much, Rory, a lot now. Because that's pretty much all. You're the only person to thank.
1: Well, what? You could thank me, Dad?
0: That's true. I, I could thank you. Thank you, Scape. Thank you very much, Scapey.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, what did I... I didn't really do anything, sir. But I, I do accept your friends.
0: Good. Good. Thank you for accepting my thanks. And you don't have to accept that. I'm, I'm good with that. Coming up next, we have uh, Rory's section of the show called Where Are They Now in History, of course. Uh, why don't we get right to it? What uh, What are you what are you talking about today? Well, I didn't want to spoil it. It isn't really that long of a show. You wouldn't want to. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. But I will give you a hint. It does have to do with my home country of England. Does it? All right. Well, English history then, eh? Absolutely. Well, then let's get right to it. What day is it today? It is November 17th. What happened on November 17th, Rory? <laughs> Hello, this is WHRW Binghamton with This Day in History. My name is Rory St. John. On November 17th, 1558, Queen Mary I, monarch of England and Ireland since 1553, dies and is succeeded by her 25-year-old half-sister Elizabeth, thus beginning the Elizabethan age.
5: Oh, dear sister. <laughs> yes? I'm about to die. Oh, good, finally. I mean, oh, that's terrible.
11: Somebody order an assassination?
5: Um, No. Over there. The woman on the bed.
11: Oh, yes.
8: Who, who's this man? Just just oh, lick this he's cat. He's
1: our
5: long-lost brother, dearest. <laughs> oh.
1: No, no, don't bite the cat.
5: <laughs> oh, dash it all. I have to take our stupid cat with me. Darling.
1: All right, this assassination is taking way too long. I'm going to go to plan B. Bring me my knife. Your knife, sir? Yes, this cat's in the way. I'll just have to cut right through it.
5: Sir, yes? I, I wanted my cat to have babies at some point Oh, well,
1: good news, the cat uh, will live, but there will be no children
5: Get oh. out, you filthy excuse for an assassin
1: Okay, uh, can I take the Queen's head
5: with me? Go for it
0: Thus Queen Mary's reign came to a head and the Elizabethan age began Incidentally, you should spay and to your cats But make sure a medical professional does it, not some random person This is the Day in History on WHRW Binghamton but don't head off yet. My name's Roy St. John and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. As you heard, Queen Elizabeth was not looking to get her cat spayed or neutered, and in fact she was quite upset. As a result, she made a law that said you cannot have any cats spayed or neutered for her entire reign. Very soon after that, the entire country of England became overrun by cats. Yes, you could not go anywhere without cats all over you. They were pushing things right off of edges, they were having things put on top of them and had pictures taken of them, they were rolling over and batting at things, there were whole herds of them that were doing that thing where they would only walk towards you when you would. Not looking at them, so you turn away and then, you know, they were all doing all of those things. But the thing is, it was just overstimulation. And in fact, everyone in England died because they were just so interested in looking at the cats doing cute things. They forgot to do things like eat or bathe or breathe. Queen Elizabeth was, in fact, one of the last to die, crawling out from underneath a sea of cats, trying desperately to get to the ocean. Uh, unfortunately, she was distracted by a particularly adorable kitten whose mew was just so, so very small. It was like mew, and she could not make it. Her heart broke, and she died. So while cats are wonderful and good in general, if there are too many of them, they can be dangerous, so you should get your cat spayed or neutered. My name is Rory Singen, and this is Where Are They Now in History on am Wax. Thank you again, Rory. That was a very good public service announcement.
1: Uh, no! It was not a good public service announcement! What are you talking about? Well, Scape, no,
0: I should have realized, of course you're going to get upset by that, but Scape, it's a, it's a very important public service announcement to get your cat spayed and neutered.
1: Dad! Uh, okay, that's really mean, first of all, and second of all, uh it's double mean because uh why would you do that to me well
0: look what's done is done you've already been neutered it doesn't matter if 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 we recommend other people do it too
1: you're trying cats. Go through this horrible thing that happened to me. Well, I don't have any any testicles. Because you cut them out, that's not nice.
0: Well, it is nice, because if you listened to that episode of Where Are They Now in History, uh, there are way too many cats in England when there's none spayed or neutered, and, you know, they overwhelm all of society. They drown in cats, basically. Well, yes, but, I mean, that's not true. Well, it it was in that world. Okay, yeah, but, but, no, escape. the real reason is because, you know, if if you had testicles, you would be, A, more of a jerk, which It's hard to imagine, but you would, because you'd be really territorial. You'd probably pee on things of ours, which we don't want you to do. You'd probably, you'd be, you'd be, you know, overwhelmed by sexual desire and, and want to like, you know, do sexual things, which we would not allow you to do. We wouldn't let you out of the house still. So you would just freak out in here. And I mean, not to mention you have a sister who, if neither of you were spayed or neutered, you'd be having kittens pretty regularly, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Dad. That's that's gross, and it's not true. I would never. It's boom. I
0: mean, thankfully, she's not your biological sister. She's just your adopted sister.
1: It doesn't matter. I would stare never do. Dad, she's, like, so not what I'm looking for, okay? I'm looking for a nice, pretty girl. Her is, like, sensitive. No,
0: Skate, that's because you have no testicles. That's because you have no testicles. If you had testicles, all of that would be out the window, and you'd say, here's, here's, my, here's my criteria, cat. Well, that's about it, I guess. Female, female cat.
1: Dad, dad, just because I have testicles, does that mean I'm stupid?
0: It would actually mean that. It would. It would mean that. It would mean that in this case, you you don't understand how it works. Male cats with testicles are like big old jerks, and they they like I said, they pee on everything.
1: Why would I want to pee on things? That doesn't make any sense. I pee in the box. Rid the sand.
0: Yes, but you would Peon. on... Look, you don't You don't understand what you'd be like, because you'd be, like, different. You'd be different emotionally. You'd probably be a little bigger and a little meatier. You know, probably a little, you know, stronger.
1: Well, that sounds good. I would be able to kick Bruce' butt even more.
0: Which, of course, uh, reveals that he doesn't always kick her butt now. Well, he never kicks her butt now.
1: Dad, that is such a right. Why do you tell, like... Horrible lies about me on the podcast.
0: I don't tell any lies about you on the podcast, Gabe. I tell the truth about you on the podcast, and you flip out. That's not true. That is true. And this is probably getting to be a really boring fight because I'm going yes, you're going no, no, yes. <sighs> All right, let's uh, let's go on to the next thing. Uh, we are we've got an episode of Tractor Fiction uh, up next. Oh, you still gonna. I'm still going to play that. Well, yeah. I'm, look, for, I mean, Tractor Fiction and Debatatorium, they're shows that Frank hosted, but they're my shows because uh, I made them up. You know, he claims to have helped make them up, but he, well, he obviously didn't make up Tractor Fiction because it started before he was involved. And he claims to have helped make Debatatorium, but it was my, it was, first of all, it was my idea. Second of all, it's basically like half of Tractor Fiction. So he's wrong. Anyway, so yes, it's my show and I'm going to continue to play it. Uh, This is a special episode of Tractor Fiction. It's the last episode of the second season. So what that means is it's the last episode that was recorded live on the air. As always, we've remastered it, but this is the last one we're gonna have to remaster. All the other ones after this are already mastered in the first place, where they were recorded in a studio under like good conditions and all that. So anyway, here we go. It's probably the sickest episode, as you will soon discover. Uh, something is definitely, definitely very rotten in this episode. Enjoy it though, cause it's messed up. It's called Lisa. Have a good one.
10: Good evening, everybody. This is Frank Allen here on WHRW Binghamton. This is Tractor Fiction, the very last tract or fiction of this semester. It's going to be lots of fun. However, this is an extra special Tractor Fiction tonight because it's particularly something else. Uh, So the very first thing I actually want to say tonight is uh, that this program... ...may contain language or materials that may be considered offensive. The views expressed are those of the engineer and their guests and Jack Chick... ...and may not reflect the views of the management of other WHR or other WHR double sh- uh, station members. Therefore, uh, we advise you to carefully consider whether you or your children should even listen to this show. Uh, so, alright. Now, the name of this tract that we're doing tonight is Lisa... And like I said, it's a very special episode, so don't be surprised that we're going to do some things a little bit different towards the end, but we're just going to start off with Lisa right now. Lisa. Wait, what
4: did you say? We're doing Lisa?
10: um, What The name of the (laughs) tract we're doing. Oh. Let's not give it away Uh now. All right, uh, we're going to do this tract named Lisa by Jack Chick.
13: Our story begins in the home of Henry Walker and his family, a home Henry shares with his wife, Linda, and his daughters. Unfortunately, it is not a happy home.
9: Look at all these bells piling up! What are you going to do about it? I'm doing all I can. I'm working all hours of the night getting pinched by drunken old men. I shouldn't have to take this. It's your responsibility, Henry. Aren't you the man of the house? Get off
6: my back, Linda. I've been out all day looking for a job and I'm damn tired. There just isn't anything to be found can't even whore myself out! We've gone through this before! Just quit throwing it in my face!
9: You girls turn off that TV and get your work done! I want the floors mopped and the dishes done! Aw, my mommy! There's leftovers in the fridge for you to heat up for your dad! Make sure you clean up for yourself! I don't want to find a mess when I get home!
13: Linda left to go to work, and a moment later Henry got up to head out as well. I've got to yeah, out here before I go nuts. I need a drink.
6: I've got to go to the store. I'll be back in about an hour. I expect dinner to be ready when I get home.
13: Henry headed out to get a quick drink on, and then, passing by a video rental store, he gets an idea for how to spend his evening. Not just a drink on, but a smoke on, too.
6: Hey, that might be a good idea. There's nothing on TV tonight.
13: Henry went into the store and came out a little while later, his pants a little swollen, carrying some mysterious video cassettes. He took them home and slipped them sensually into the VCR and commenced doing his business, until suddenly interrupted by a knock at the door. Oh,
6: yes. Uh, oh, oh, I'd better hide this! Linda will kill me if she finds I've spent more money on porno flicks!
13: Henry goes to the door to find.
6: Oh, uh, hi there, Charlie. You are uh,
12: look a little guilty, buddy. What you been up to? Uh-
6: uh, nothing. Charlie just enjoys some good old-fashioned family entertainment. Good. I'll come in and join you.
13: Henry puts the pornography back on, and the two men sit there watching four lesbians frolicking in a swimming
12: pool. Some of this stuff is pretty kinky, Henry, but not as wild as what my daughter told me. You know, Henry, I know your secret. <sighs> Look,
6: I've been telling everyone at the general store that I'm not— Oh, um, what secret? I guess it wasn't that. I
10: know what's going on with you and Lisa. That's some pretty juicy gossip. I'll keep quiet, old buddy, if we can share and share like.
13: Henry grudgingly agrees and begins sharing his lovely daughter's time with his neighbor. Two months later, however, Henry is called in for a meeting with Lisa's doctor.
7: Mr. Vaka, Lisa's tests show that it isn't just a rash. Then what is it? It is herpes simplex type 2. We need to talk. Oh my god!
6: I'll go to prison. What'll I do? Everyone's gonna know what I've done! Can't face being locked up? I'll kill myself. Henry, I am not
7: only your doctor. I am also your friend, or at least I was, you pedophilic freak. <sighs> I know what's been going on. Lisa told me the whole ugly story about you and your neighbor while I made the tests.
8: She lied!
7: <laughs> no, Henry. I have examined Lisa, and I know she was telling the truth. She has been sexually abused!
1: Ugh,
7: what a mess.
6: Yes, it's true! Oh, God! How did this ever happen? Only God can help you, Henry. Who, who's this uh, gut per? Oh, God! Okay, okay. I never meant for this to happen. It all started when my marriage began falling apart. I lost my job and my wife had to go to work. (laughs) I started drinking and my wife started pulling away from me. Linda doesn't have any respect for me anymore. I can't even make a decent friend. I guess I fail at life.
7: Henry, God sees it all. He sees what's happening all over the world. Every home and every secret is open to his eyes. The Bible tells us that nothing, NOTHING is hidden. Are you telling me God is going to send me to hell for all this? You were going to hell before this ever happened, Henry.
6: How can you say a thing like that? I mean, I was a good person until this happened. Now I feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde become like a creature of the night. Creature of the night. But basically, I'm good.
7: Henley, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. You say you're good, but the Bible tells us that no man is good. No, not one.
6: All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay. So I'm going to hell. So, what? I've been told that's not so bad. I'll have lots of company. You know, like the former leaders in your country. All my friends will be there.
12: (laughs) Ha ha!
7: You don't know what you're talking about, Henry. You bought the lie that hell is going to be one big party. In reality, hell is going to be a never-ending nightmare. A place of screams and utter torment. Ah. Hmm. Ah, it's more horrible than you can imagine You'll be completely aware of the torments surrounding you In total darkness and absolutely alone Without hope The Bible says the smoke of their torment will go up day and night Forever and ever Henry, Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else Because he wanted us to know that it is a very real place
6: Why would God want us to go to hell? He doesn't The
7: Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish But that all should come to
6: repentance <sighs> it Looks like there's no hope for me First you tell me I'm going to hell Then you say that God doesn't want me there <sighs> I just wish I could just reserve a spot in between, like, I don't know, Nixon and (sighs) Crawley. What am I supposed to believe? God did something very special for you, Henry. He made a way for you
7: to be with him in heaven. But the choice is up to you. You can either take it or leave it. Jesus left heaven and came to this world to die for you. On the cross! Mmm. He shed his precious, precious blood for you and gave up his life in order to pay the terrible price for your sins. In other words, he took the punishments that you, you, Henry, (laughs) deserve. That's God's gift to you. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he will send you free if you eject god's gift well it will only lead to tragedy and eternal damnation your family is already being ruined by pornography the sex crimes are just a side effect satan is in control and you can't stop him on your own jesus is your only hope henry there is no other way to heaven or to be set free from the bondage you're under except accept through jesus christ because he said i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father except through
6: me <sighs> I know you're right, Dr. Str- I mean, the doctor. I've tried to change on my own, but it's gotten worse. I'm ready to try Jesus, but will he ever be able to help me? If I accept Jesus as my savior, will it last, or will I still have these problems? Jesus
7: said he would not allow Satan to tempt us beyond what we are able to bear. Jesus knows what you're going through. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all things such as we were, but without sin. He understands. Doctor,
6: I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm so ashamed. I don't want to go to hell. Will Jesus forgive someone as rotten as me? Yes, Henry. He will. He If you repent. Let us play.
13: The two men pray together, and then...
6: I feel different, Doctor. I feel clean. God has forgiven a horrible wretch like me. Oh, thank you, Lord. You're such a merciful and wonderful God to clean me up. I'm so grateful. It's hard to explain. It's like all the guilt I've been carrying around for so long has been lifted off me. I know I can make it better. I never knew Jesus could be so real. Yes, 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 now
13: go home. (laughs) Henry returns home, a new man, beaming as he walks in the door.
6: Honey, the most wonderful thing happened today. You got a job? What? Hell no. Linda, I've found a reason for living, and I've become far more quick and efficient as a side effect. Jesus has turned my life around. What? Now I'm going to be the husband and father that God intended me to be.
9: I can see that something's different, Henry. Great. But what does that do to solve my problems? My life's been a living hell ever since I can remember. It's gotten to the point where I hate you, I hate Lisa, and most of all... I hate myself. Henry, I'm not blind. I know what's been going on. I went through it myself years ago, thanks to my front pumpling uncle. I just didn't want to believe it was going on in my own home. I can't face it. That's why I stayed from you as much as I did.
6: But don't you see, Linda? That only made the situation worse.
9: I know it, but I was so angry, I began taking my frustration out on Lisa. And I really hurt her, Henry. It's like I'm out of control. Something's gotta stop this nightmare because the girls are suffering. I'm afraid Lisa's mind could be scarred for life.
6: Linda, only Jesus can stop it, but you've got to let him straighten out this mess
9: I want to be forgiven too Henry how did you pray help me to know Jesus
6: alright Linda I'll pray and you follow
9: okay
13: Henry leads Linda in this ultra secret child (laughs) abuse negating prayer and ten minutes later
9: oh Henry God has forgiven both of us I feel like a new person I love you and I love Lisa will she ever forgive us we must never hurt her again.
6: We won't, honey. Thanks to the power of the child to be prayer.
9: Lisa, Lisa, come here.
13: Lisa, the couple's five-year-old daughter, approached, tightly clutching a teddy bear to her chest.
9: Yes, Mommy? We've got wonderful news, Lisa. Your daddy and I will never hurt you again. Really?
6: Really, honey. We love you, and Jesus does too. Excellent!
12: The
10: end. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Now, uh, as you may realize by looking at your clocks, we actually don't have very much time left, and like I said, this is a very special episode of Tractor Fiction. So, uh, this remember, week... remember, honey, I love you just a little bit more than mommy. <laughs> this week for the debate, uh, it's an interactive debate, and what I'd like you all to do at home is debate just what is wrong with Jack Chick. <laughs> I-, I really can't figure it out. I'm just thinking maybe you guys could. First of all, I have a couple things I do need to, t- to let everybody know. Uh, first of all, don't, don't molest your children. Ah! That's very Bad. It personally offends me, so don't do it. And you go to hell for it for you, some No, no, no. You go to hell anyway. All right, with that being said, thank you, Tractor Fiction. We'll we be back and, next week. And
4: remember that accepting Jesus means never having to say that. As your doctor, I'm calling the
10: cops. All right, let me turn it on.
0: That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen. Aaron Bass, Lynn Nelson, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Samuel Thomason, Angela Timon, Devon White, and Jordan D.Y. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. Now, uh, I don't really, uh, I'm, I don't really have anything to put here. I mean, the, the, the idea was, now, as you heard that, that, tract ended with no debate. And Frank said, I don't know if he was going to, if he was going to dig up another debate uh, from, he said something about, I know there was one that was done, uh, later, but I don't know if he was going to use that one or if he was going to get a new one. Uh, the point is he, he had something that he said he was going to bring to put in here. And he's not here now. Obviously he left us here. So we have nothing. Uh, uh, so here we are it's a, it's very much like him. it's the sort of thing he would do. just kind of leave us in the lurch. Uh, you know it's the sort of person that he is, I think it always has been in other realities um where he doesn't uh, get this money right now eventually something good happens in his life and he he screws us all over then so it's really not that that big of a difference and and realistically speaking there are other worlds where he where he screwed us over even earlier so you know we got better than than we could have done is this the service this is the service you offer your clients because it's not making me feel really well no i mean i do it a lot better when i'm getting paid like i said i do it for the money so knowing that i, I, I get nothing for this it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't flow as well clearly i mean it's it's not at all good at all. Well, I'm sorry. Anyway, I, I mean, so I don't know what we're going to do next week. Maybe we'll have Rory do something, or maybe we'll have, oh, you know what we can do? Uh, we can have Scapey do something. What?
1: You want? Me to do something. <laughs> I, I would like to do something. I don't ever get to do nothing. So well,
0: you do sometimes. Well, okay. The point is, uh, yeah. I escape. I've had a in mind a a, a segment for you, and I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll admit that we won't have room for it. But I mean, I can't do it this week because you have to prepare for it. But maybe next week you can premiere this new thing.
1: What is it? Tell me. I wonder, is it going to be? Oh wait, I know.
0: You know what it is?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, Dad. It's pretty obvious if you think about it. It's probably... Uh, I get to sing lots of stuff, like, in a row. So, okay. Uh, I will start now.
0: No, no, escape. That's not what it is. That's not what it is.
1: Well, I, I will sing, right?
0: Well, it wasn't a song thing, no. What I was thinking was, actually, it would be a scary story bit.
1: Scary stories? Why would I... I don't want to be scared.
0: No, no. You'd be telling the scary stories. What? Well, here was my idea. I was thinking... I will, outside of the podcast, tell you a, a scary story, um, and that way you can retell it on the podcast, and I mean, you know, how as you remember it.
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: No, I know. I know. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Because um, remember, uh, the, the inspiration for this is that Scape likes to tell things like jokes, and uh, they don't come out usually the same way they went in, so to speak. Uh, Scape classically told a version of The Aristocrats, the very famous joke, to Lynn. Do you want to tell it, Scape?
1: What? Uh, no.
0: Oh, come on. You, you said it was real funny. She laughed about it and everything?
1: Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Here we go. Once upon a time, there was a guy, and he was, like, uh, somewhere. And some other guy came up and was like, hey, <laughs> do you want to see me poop? And the guy was like, well, uh, what do you call it? And he's like, the aristocrats <laughs> The, the Aris- I said, okay, Rory. Yes, what? I said, oh, the aristocrats? did you hear?
0: Oh, yes. Um, it's very it's very funny. Uh, so this is going to be a segment that's good? No, no, I really think it's going to be good because do you not know that joke? Okay, well, it doesn't matter. The point is, yes, I think if I tell Scape a story and then he tells the story back to us, I think that'll be a good segment.
1: It won't be as good as if I just sing. Okay, Dad, I'm going to sing a song right now. What do you want me to sing about? Uh,
0: I think you should sing about uh, Frank Allen being a jerk and leaving us.
1: Oh, that's, a good, that's actually a pretty good idea. Okay, uh, here we go. Frank He's a joke. He doesn't work ever, cause he's a daisy boy. Frank, 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 He's a joke, 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 joke. He's a Frank. And he's a joke. And he's a Frank, Alan. Joke, joke, joke. He's a Frank, joke, Frank, joke, 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 joke
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. You know, I'm. I'm sorry. I don't let you sing more. That that was good.
1: Thank That you, you. You really should let me sing more because I do sing well. <laughs> well,
0: thank you for that demonstration. Uh, maybe I'll learn from it. So, like I said, no. You know, no Frank Allen interview, no other preparation. Hopefully this uh, musical interlude was enough for you today. But uh, everybody, maybe come back next week. Maybe you'll have a scary story from Scape. Maybe. Now we will move on, however, to a show called Like Mother. Uh It's a good show. It's a crazy show. We're getting close to the end of it now. This is the 10th episode of Like Mother. And there's only really one season of Like Mother because then it becomes another show, which you'll hear about soon. Last time we heard it, uh we had the startling revelation that Mark Ravillomanino is still in Antonana Madagascar.
1: Mark Ra- Ravelomanana is still in Antananarivo, Madagascar.
0: Yes, it is in fact true. Uh, historically speaking, that Mark Ravelomanana is still in Antananarivo, Madagascar. Correct, and that's what we learned. Uh This was surprising because uh, they were expecting him to be at a special summit, and he's not. And so the question is, why not? What, how, why is Mark Ravelomanana still in Antananarivo, Madagascar? And well, you're about to find out. How is that relevant to Hope, darling? How is that relevant to her daughter, Pandora, darling? Who is, in fact, you know, in many ways, the star of the show. Well, you will find out as her and Bobby and Tabby all deal with that startling fact that Mark Ravula Manana is still in Antananarivo, Madagascar.
12: Episode 10, Casket Case, by Lynn Nelson. Hope Darling did not know what to expect, standing backstage at the auditorium in Albany, where the president of Madagascar was giving a lecture. She was ready for anything, or so she thought. With her backstage were Pandora, Bobby, Jason Brandt, and their newest acquisitions, Tabitha Wentworth, and Esperanza Deer. The six of them waited with bated breath as President Emile Anantanarayanan prepared to give his speech. They all knew that Anantanarayanan was not, in fact, the president of Madagascar, and suspected that the real president... Mark Ravlo Manana was still in his home country and was in mortal danger. They listened intently, hoping to glean some information about Ravlo Manana's whereabouts, as Emil and Antanarayanan began to speak.
7: It is truly an honor to join you all in this great state of New York, in this marvelous country, America. Though before I begin, I should say that the moment is bittersweet for me. As you all know, President Mark Ravalomanana was scheduled to be delivering this lecture series, but his body remains in Antananarivo, Madagascar. I knew it! What? The unfortunate victim of a terrible and fatal case of chikungunya, President Ravalomanana, passed away yesterday, and we all mourn his death. I was immediately appointed to his place as the second in command, and can only hope to continue his legacy as an international diplomat with a level of grace and integrity.
8: That President Ravalo Manana employed. This can't be. Mosquitoes, dear. Perhaps they did the job before the conspiracy got there. That
5: doesn't make any sense. We... We need somewhere to organize. But you said they're gonna kill this dude! Shouldn't we stick around and kick some ass? Um... No. Uh, Looks like we're a little late for that.
0: Maybe we can find an internet cafe nearby.
8: Mother? I know one. Come on. JJ, darling, why don't you ride with me? Here, eggplant. Let me write you directions. It's just about five blocks. I think you can handle it. Mm.
5: Good. I'll take the kids. So that's your mom, Mrs. Darling? Yes, Tabitha, dear. It's been a while since I've seen her. Did you have a fight or something? Oh, nothing terribly serious. She and I have different ideas about what's going on in the world, that's all. Now let's see. It says a left on Oak
0: Street... There it is. Hop out, kids.
12: At the Internet Cafe, over a round of lattes.
0: It's all over the news sites and blogs. And the story's consistent. President Ravel Amandana died of chikungunya, which was transmitted through a mosquito bite. It's got
12: to be the aliens! R- right,
5: Perry? Not quite, Jojo.
0: But it could easily be the conspiracy.
5: Oh, come now,
8: Mother. Don't tell me you of all people believe that it was truly a mosquito bite that killed that poor man. Of
5: course not, but let's be honest. Your conspiracy and mine are, well different.
8: Well, of course. Mine exists, and yours, well, maybe yours does. But it's not really worth pursuing. Wait, Mr. Brandt.
1: Jason, kid!
0: Jason, how do you and Mrs. Dear know each other?
1: We're both fighting the conspiracy, of course!
0: Well, conspiracies, JJ. Whatever!
1: We're
8: working
9: together!
3: So, Grandma... You think it's the aliens, too?
8: Of course not, Pumpkin. J.J. and I are fighting similar causes, but we disagree on certain fundamental things.
3: So you don't think it's aliens?
8: Don't be silly. Well, what's your theory, Mrs. Dear? Ghosts. I'm sorry? The souls of the dead, Pumpkin. They want to take over the world. Oh,
5: for Christ's sake! Pandora, be respectful of your grandmother.
8: <laughs> oh, it's all right, Hope. Most people think I'm
5: batty.
1: So what's the plan, Mom?
5: Well, it, it's clear they've already gotten to Mark Ravlo Manina. I still can't believe it. How did we miss that? Maybe they
8: realized we were on to them.
5: You mean maybe they realized we were on to them? Whatever,
8: dear. Perhaps they panicked and took care of the situation.
5: I don't think the impostor is Cask. I'm not even convinced he knows he's part of a conspiracy, but he's got to be their puppet somehow.
0: Maybe he's been drugged.
5: They'd have to drug him too heavily to make him so pliable a tool, and that can
3: backfire on them. He was too convincingly humble. If they're using him to be a leader for the conspiracy without his knowledge, it's more likely that they hand-selected him at birth and began programming him before life experience could influence his thoughts and decisions.
8: I say, darling, you've done quite a job with Pandora. How long has she been training? N- not as long as you'd think. Though, isn't she a little young? They say not to start them until I couldn't you... couldn't help it. Oh, dear. Getting a little sloppy, are we? Can we
5: have this delightful conversation later.
8: But of course.
5: I think Pandora is right. So, Pandy, what should we do about it? Um, uh, uh it. Great.
3: And how should we do that? Well... Uh, at this point in his life, a combination of a drug cocktail, hypnosis, and sensory stimulation to help him confront latent memories of being programmed and then separate them from his real thoughts. <sighs>
8: So, what's the plan, Pumpkin?
3: What? No! No! I can't tell
5: you all! You're most what to- of the way there, Potato. Just formulate the plan. <sighs> we go back to the lecture, wait until he's done, and follow him when he leaves.
3: We assess the situation, eliminate any agents or non-agent bodyguards who present an obstacle. We take the president into our custody, find a place to hide out, and begin deprogramming.
5: Alright!
1: Let's do it, Teeny Popper Girl! You're hardcore!
5: It's an excellent plan, Pandora. Er, uh, Mother, why don't you take Mr. Brandt and find us a good hideout? You may want to prepare to perform hypnosis in a while, too. You always were the best. Check. Ring me on my portable when you're ready for
12: us. And with that, the sixsome split up. Esperanza and Jason Brandt investigating Albany's secret hideouts, and Hope and the kids back on their way to the president's speech. This time, Bobby found himself in the back seat of a rental car. With tabby
14: so uh tabby you read my blog well yeah but don't let it go to your head or anything it's not that good oh well thanks anyway sure whatever you know Bobby yeah I have to admit this this whole thing's pretty exciting life in carousel can get kind of boring after a while but We're on a real adventure, like in the movies. Just
0: wait until you get shot.
14: What? Okay, kids, we're not going to risk parking
5: because we'll probably have to make a quick getaway. Pandora, I want you to stay behind the wheel and don't do anything stupid. Tabitha, you stay with her. Bobby and I are going back into the auditorium. We're going to make our way backstage again and see if that guard recognizes us so we can get nice and close. According to my watch, the lecture should be over soon. When the president comes out of the auditorium, watch where he goes. We'll come update you and then we'll go from there. Got it? (sighs) Yes, Mother. Good.
12: Pandy and Tabby watched Hope and Bobby disappear into the auditorium building and sat uncomfortably for a few minutes.
14: So is this what's been bugging you lately? Your mom being clinically insane? She's
3: not insane, Tabby. At least I don't think so. She sounds crazy, but I think she's been right about some things.
14: What were you going to say to me earlier about Bobby? What do you mean? You were saying he wasn't really something, and then we got interrupted.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's just that I don't think he's really your type. He's a total nerd, you know.
14: You're not keeping up with your hookup profiling, Pandy. Opposites attract. Besides, I care about the news and stuff, sometimes.
3: It's just well, Bobby and I have been spending a lot of time together the past couple days, oh, and- Oh, geez. No, no, it's just- We're kind of friends now, and it might be weird if two of my friends were dating. Now you're- Look! The president is coming out of the auditorium!
14: Oh, this is exciting. Oh my
3: god! What?
14: That bodyguard! The woman! What about her? Pandy? Pandy, what are you doing? Where are you going? Don't you think getting out of the car to approach the president's bodyguard falls under the category of stupid? Oh, for Christ's sake.
12: Tabby got out of the back seat and followed Pandy who was approaching the back of the female bodyguard. A few minutes later, Bobby emerged from the auditorium building. He ran to the rental car to find Pandy, but instead found the car empty. Looking around frantically, he spotted a familiar woman standing near the open door of a limousine a few yards away.
0: Annette?
4: Oh, hello. Billy, is it? Bobby,
0: actually, what are you doing here?
4: I'm here for the president's speech, of course. Where, where is he? He went on ahead in another limbo. Bobby! Pandy, where are you? Excuse me four minutes.
12: Annette reached into the back of her skirt and drew out a pistol. She reached into the limousine and made a jerking motion with her arm. Bobby heard a thump and a groan come from inside the limousine, followed by a scream. <laughs>
0: What's going on, Annette? What's wrong
12: with you? The other side of the limousine opened, and a bodyguard came round the back, dragging a panicky and crying tabby with him. He had a gun to her temple. Annette reached into the car and pulled out a limp pandy who was trickling blood from the top of her skull. Annette propped her up with one arm and loosely held a gun to her chest.
4: Nothing's wrong with me, Bobby. I just know what I want and how to get it. What do you want, then? Jason Brandt. I know you and Hope have him somewhere. Give him to me and you can have your girlfriend here back.
0: What about Tabby?
4: Her, too. Just give me
0: Brandt. Not a chance. Give me the girls. Bobby!
4: Where did you get a gun?
0: From Mrs. Darling's last car in Seattle.
5: <laughs> you want to shoot me, Bobby? Go ahead. Bobby? A- Annette? What the hell is going on here? I thought you'd died in the explosion.
12: Hope saw Bobby trembling in a face-off with Annette. As Bobby's hand shook around the handle of the gun and sweat broke out of the pores on his forehead, he watched as Annette pitched forward and fell face down on the sidewalk in front of him, blood pouring out of the back of her head. Everything seemed to move, in slow motion as Bobby saw Jason Brandt looming up on the other side of the street and Esperanza running to their side Hope ran over to Pandy who had also fallen to the sidewalk as the other bodyguard pulled the trigger of his gun Bobby saw Tabby scream but barely heard it as his eyes followed the bullet's path to Hope's body and watched as at the last minute minute, Esperanza Deer threw herself in front of her daughter. Her body pitched, and she collapsed on the other side of Hope, covering three generations of dear women in their matriarch's blood. Jason ran to Bobby's side as one more bullet rang out, and the second bodyguard fell to the sidewalk. Bobby increasingly became aware of the commotion around him. Kid!
5: Mother? Kid, are you okay? Oh, are you okay, are you oh, okay? everybody? hey, are you all right? Oh, everybody, quiet! <laughs> <laughs> Jason, get Bobby and Tabby into the car. I've got panty. The police will be here any minute. I love you, mother.
12: What will happen to the darling women and their companions? Will they be able to deprogram the president of Madagascar? Is the Conspiracy Real? Tune in for the thrilling season finale of Like Mother. Say goodbye.
0: In that episode of Like Mother, the narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Hope Darling was Lynn Nelson, Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt, Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White, Annette was Tongwen Wong, Jason Brandt was Elijah Weberham. Emil Anantanarayanan was Rob Glass, Esperanza Dia was Angela Timon, and the theme song was by Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you ever so much. Uh, we are pretty much done with the show now. We didn't get any other uh, listener mail. Listener mail! Listener mail! No, escape. No, no, no. I don't want to hear that song right now. Because we don't have any listener mail. That was the whole point. If you would write to us at castinwax at gmail.com, then perhaps we will have some listener mail. Uh, so we only we only got that one piece of mail, which uh, kind of destroyed the show. So hopefully we'll get through that. Uh, like I said, we do have, uh, you know, we will have Scape hopefully do a little segment for us to, uh, next week. And we've got all sorts of new shows and all that. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, maybe we'll go back to having some guest hosts like we did when Rory was in jail. So uh, well, Do we, we have to mention that? Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Uh, when Rory was—I mean, when Rory was away—so uh, maybe we'll do that. We'll see. We'll see. I really don't know. I mean, it's—I'm still I'm still reeling with the punches here, rolling with the punches, reeling from the punches. Uh, let's move on, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the show. You can hear waxwork themed K fading up in the background, and uh, you know that means we will all. I'd a murder to solve. I decided to look into his business associates. McNish and Narburg were partners in some sort of scam operation out of Queens. Narburg would bring home the serious money while McNish was in charge of laundering. But they both had motive. White was always riding Narberg about putting in a contribution to the business, while McNish wanted to take over the whole operation for himself. They were each other's alibis. Some of the things they told me just didn't ring true, and I considered them my main suspects. Until getting off the subway, I was accosted and hit over the head. I awoke in a stretched limo belonging to Mr. Corrin, a fat cat rich off some Hollywood money. He spent his days in charge of a gang of young toughs in Brooklyn, but in the night he made his real living selling fresh dreams to the poor hopeless masses. He stuck a dirty 22 in my face and told me to keep my nose out of this wax business or he'd blow it for me. I told him my nose wasn't running, and he said it would if it knew it was good for it. He gave me a handkerchief and promptly ejected me from the limo onto the side of the road. I picked myself up, dusted myself off. I hate catching other people's colds. Lastly, I found T.C. Mikowski, a small-time punk White had grown up with. He'd gotten by hawking old as new for a while, but eventually moved himself up in the world. He was currently riding high on a rash of lucky brakes. Rumor had it White had found out a few of T.C.'s dirty little secrets and was cashing in under the table. T.C. denied it, but he suddenly remembered another engagement around that time, and I found myself back out on the street. I had them all meet me back at the waxwork, the two partners, the rich Jew, the lucky one, and White's broad. They all said they didn't know what I was playing at. I told them I knew who was behind White's death. I pointed to Corin. He denied it, of course, but they all knew White had claimed credit for Corin's recent windfall. Corin leapt at me. So I shot him. When the police showed up, we all told them what had happened, and they took away the body. T.C.'s luck finally changed when he got busted for tax fraud and wound up in the pen. Narberg and McNish continued their partnership until the families caught wind of the operation and put a stop to it. As for Mrs. White, she was so appreciative for me pinning her crime on Corrin that we started a partnership of our own. It went pretty well until the incident in the kitchen with the knife. On the next historic episode of Cast and Wax... On Epic Echoes, senatorial history is made.
10: While still a long way from Prezetron's 80-hour performance, Senator Grace's filibuster is the current record for a human speaking on the floor of the Senate. The Senator is currently reading from the Lotus Sutra, a work he states is of great personal significance.
12: Oh, whatever.
0: On Debatatorium, they solve one of the biggest mysteries in all of history.
12: My name is God. I just... uh, I wanted to call in because I've been thinking about this question myself. (sighs) I'm not entirely sure I do exist. And on guard duty, the Earth Guard discusses its
0: first strike in guard history.
12: If he won't agree to our terms, we
0: go on strike.
12: Honestly, you must be we, we can't go on
11: strike. Everyone, please, settle down.
0: All this plus absolutely no Frank Allen interview whatsoever, and lots and lots of wonderful historical facts from me, Mori Sinjin. coming your way on November 24th to waxwork.com.